Well, happy Resurrection Sunday to you this morning, church. I am thankful that we are a singing congregation, and there is much to sing about on this Lord's Day. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of John, the New Testament book of John. If you're using a pew Bible, you'll find it on page 1142, John chapter 11. And this morning in our time gathering around the Word of God, we're going to look at a very simple, well-known passage of Scripture. I can't think of a more appropriate passage to read on Easter Sunday than this one. John chapter 11, and we're going to read verse 25 and 26 together. And I'm going to speak for a few minutes this morning on this subject, the resurrection and the life. John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. And this is what the Word of God says. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Death is an ever-present reality for every single one of us. The fact of death is certain, but the time of death is uncertain. The great preacher who now resides in heaven, Adrian Rogers, wrote, quote, Man is the only creature who knows he is going to die and is desperately trying to forget it. Mention death, and people will change the subject more quickly than they change the television channel, end quote. But friends, no matter how hard you and I try, there no, is no escaping the reality of death. The latest statistics, one out of one will die. And that means that every single one of us gathered in this room this morning will die unless the Lord Jesus Christ returns first. So it is imperative that we know how to face death, for it is only those who are prepared to face death who can really live life. And there is only one way to face death properly, and that is by faith in God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the only one who has overcome death. As we come to John chapter 11, we find that the reality of death lay in the future of a man named Lazarus. This chapter, which is one of the longest in the New Testament, is a moving and triumphal account in which we see Jesus Christ displaying his power over death in the life of Lazarus as he paves the way to the cross where he will deal with death once and for all. We know from the early verses of chapter 11 that Jesus was notified that Lazarus was sick. And yet the Bible says that Jesus delayed his traveling to Lazarus. And even though Lazarus eventually died... 
Jesus delayed his departure to Lazarus because the Bible says in verse 4 of chapter 11 that Jesus did it so that he could display the glory of God through the work that he would do in Lazarus' death. And the Bible says that when Jesus and his disciples finally arrived at Bethany where Lazarus was, they came to that famous moment in which Martha went out to meet Jesus and Jesus uttered the words that we just read together in John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. These words in John 11, 25 and 26 are among the most precious and important words ever to be uttered from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here is the message in the miracle. Jesus is the answer to the problem of death because Jesus has permanently conquered death. The raising of Lazarus actually happened. The Bible says so, and you and I can believe it. But our faith does not rest on this historical moment in Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Our faith rests in the one who performed the miracle, the Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, because Jesus is the resurrection and the life, Jesus can move into dead and seemingly hopeless human situations. And by his resurrection power, Jesus can transform people. And Jesus can transform circumstances. And Jesus can infuse his resurrection life and make all things new. Because Jesus is the resurrection and Jesus is is the life. So would you notice with me, first of all, in the text this morning at verse 25, the power of Jesus. Jesus simply says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And with this statement, Jesus makes one of the greatest statements that can be ever be made. And in this statement, Jesus takes us back to the Old Testament into the book of Exodus, in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14, where Moses encountered God at the burning bush, and God revealed himself to Moses by saying, I am who I am. And Jesus makes this same claim in verse 25, I am. And he is claiming with this statement to be co-equal and co-eternal with the Father. Jesus is all that God is because Jesus is God. And you'll notice in the text that with this statement of declaration claiming to be God, Jesus adds the phrase, the resurrection and the life. The word the is exclusive. It means that Jesus is not one of many resurrections, and Jesus is not one of many lives. Jesus is exclusively the resurrection, and Jesus is exclusively the life. And as God, Jesus is not merely a teacher of the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the divine author of all resurrection, and Jesus is the root and the fountain of all life. Jesus is the source and the securer of resurrection. Jesus is the conqueror of death. Jesus is the savior of your body, your soul, and your spirit. And you'll notice what the text says. The text doesn't say that he will be the resurrection. The text says that he is the resurrection. It's present tense. Jesus and Jesus alone is the one who has the authority to open the grave and to raise the dead back to life. 
In John chapter 2, John records the account of Jesus going into the temple and cleansing it from all of the money changers. And in response to his actions, the Jews came and asked him a question. And Jesus' response to their question points to his authority over resurrection. In John chapter 2, verses 18 and 19, this is what he said. And so the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up again. And with this claim, Jesus was saying that all who are raised from the grave will be raised by him. Dear friends, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no resurrection. But Jesus is not just the resurrection. Jesus is also the spring and the source of all life. You'll notice the text doesn't say that one day Jesus will be the life. The text says, present tense, that Jesus is the life right now. The Apostle Paul, in writing to the Romans in Romans chapter 5, told them that sin and death came into the world through the first man, Adam. And in Romans chapter 5, in verse 12, he says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Sin has affected every man through Adam. And while sin comes through Adam, the Bible teaches us that life comes through the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Romans chapter 5, in verse 17, Paul said this to the Romans, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that man, listen, listen to the text, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Much more will Christ reign life over sin and death because he is the source of all life. Friends, Jesus and Jesus alone has the power, the resurrection power and the resurrection life to take a life that has been rampaged by the tragedies of sin and decay and destruction and make it new and raise it up again and give it a new life and new destiny and new hope and new future. Only Jesus Christ can do that. And friends, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no life because Jesus Christ is the life. And I'm telling you this morning that it is impossible to overstate the magnitude of the words that Jesus is saying to Martha in this verse. He is claiming a power greater than that of death. He is claiming to have the power of resurrection and the power of life in his own being and in his own person and in his own work. And I ask you on this Resurrection Sunday, who in the world can make a claim like that? And the answer is simple. There's only one, the one who conquered sin, the one who conquered death, the one who conquered the grave, the one who conquered Satan, the one who conquered your sin, Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Only Jesus Christ can make this claim because only Jesus Christ is God. He is the resurrection and he is the life. He is merely not just a carpenter from Galilee. He is the Savior of the world. 
And would you notice what the text says? He doesn't say, I can bring resurrection and I can bring life. He says, I am resurrection. I am life. You know what he says to you this morning? He says, if you want to understand what resurrection is, look at me. He says to you this morning, if you under, want to understand what true life is, look at me. I am all that resurrection means, and I am all that life means. I am the resurrection and the life. And the good news of the gospel and the good news of Easter Sunday is that Jesus comes with all of his power, all of his resurrection, and all of his life into hearts that are spiritually dead, cold, and stony in trespasses and sins. Because he is resurrection and life, Jesus moves into our dead and seemingly hopeless human situations. And by his resurrection power, he transforms us and infuses his power, his resurrection, and his life into our life. Jesus gives us the meaning to life. And Jesus is the answer to death. All of that is found in his statement. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you know what it means to experience his resurrection power? Do you know what it means to experience the life of Christ? Are you facing the difficulties of life and the fears of death with confidence because of Jesus' resurrection power? Friends, there's hope in Christ. He's the resurrection and the life. When we not only see the power of Jesus, in verse 25 we see the prerequisite of Jesus. Look at what the text says. Whoever believes in me. This is the sole and the singular act that is necessary for someone to experience the resurrection power and the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. Notice what the text says. Whoever. This is the grace of God, friends. This room is filled with whoever's. Whoever would believe in Christ can experience this resurrection in life. The word believe does not mean mere mental, intellectual assent that you say to yourself, I know that Jesus exists. I know that Jesus is real. No, it doesn't mean that. It means to fully rely upon Jesus. It means to commit your life to Jesus. It means to submit and to surrender to Jesus Christ. Listen to this pastor, friends. Hell will be full of people who believe that Jesus existed. In the book of James, do you know what James says? James says even the demons believe that Jesus existed. Belief in Jesus is not mere intellectual assent. Belief in Jesus is surrender to Jesus. It is submission to Jesus. It is casting your life, your body, your soul, your spirit, your eternity, your future, everything you are, everything you have, it is casting all of it on Jesus and Jesus alone. Not hoping that you'd be a good person and the good would outweigh the bad and get you to heaven. Not uh, working really hard and trying to please God by the things that you do. No, it's getting rid of all of that and surrendering and submitting to Jesus and resting in Jesus and resting in his work, in his life, in his resurrection 
for your eternity and for your future. That is believing in Jesus. And notice what the text says, you believe in Jesus. It means that you have a relationship with Jesus. The word in speaks of union. It speaks of intimacy. It speaks of connecting with Jesus. It's not about Jesus being your fire insurance and you living however you want to live and doing whatever you want to do and thinking that you're good because you've given, given mental assent to Jesus. It means that you actually have a relationship with him, that you don't just want to go to heaven with Jesus, you actually want Jesus. That's believing in him, and it's exclusive, believing in Christ and Christ alone. That's why Jesus said to the disciples, and he says to you and me in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. Whoever believes in me. And you say to me this morning, well, pastor, how do I know I've believed? Well, I'm going to give you three words of how you know. The first is the word knowledge. Belief in Jesus begins with the knowledge of biblical truth. And here's the knowledge of biblical truth that you need to have to believe in Jesus. You need to believe that God is your creator, and as your creator, he is the owner and the maker of you. And that God created you to have a relationship with you. But because of the first man and the first woman who ever lived, Adam and Eve, because they sinned, their sin corrupted the whole human race which means that every single person who's ever been born in this world has been born as a sinner. That's why the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every person who's ever been born has been born in sin. And the Bible says that this sin separates us from our Creator. And because of our sin, we try to hide from God. Because of our sin, we try to do things to cover up our sin to make us more acceptable to God. And that just further increases the sins that we commit. And so you have knowledge of all of this. You believe that you're a sinner and that your sin has separated you from God. And you believe that you need a Savior. And you believe that when you couldn't reconcile yourself to God, God reckon, made reconciliation possible by sending his son to die for your sins, to be buried in a tomb that should have been your tomb, and to rise from the grave, defeating sin, death, hell, and the grave. And that Jesus did that for you. That's the knowledge that you need to have this morning, friends. And then with that knowledge, you turn from your sin and you turn to Jesus Christ. You turn from loving your sin, you turn from loving the world, and you turn to start loving Jesus Christ. And you know that all of these things that I've just said are true. That's how you know you've believed in Jesus. You have that knowledge. Here's the second word for you. It's the word conviction. You're convicted that the knowledge of these truths that I've just expressed to you are true and that you need Christ in your life. To believe in Jesus, you must be convicted of your sins. And you say, well, what does it mean to be convicted of my sins? It means that you can be sitting in a room with this many people 
And you can actually think that the pastor is talking directly to you. That's conviction. Like you've forgotten about everybody else in the room and you're saying, the pastor's been living in my house. The pastor's been reading my mail. The pastor knows my junk. And what I would say to you this morning, the pastor doesn't know any of those things. The Holy Spirit of God does. And he's bringing conviction on your life because you know what you're hearing from the pastor is true. And it's becoming personal to you. And you're convicted. You know you're a sinner. You know you're separated from God. You know that you need Jesus Christ. You know that you could never be rescued from your sin apart from Christ. So you're convicted. And here's the third word. You make a commitment as a result of the knowledge of the truth, as a result of the conviction of the Spirit of God, you come to the place in your life where you take a decisive step of faith and belief in Jesus Christ. What I'm telling you this morning, friends, it's not enough for you to have the knowledge. It's not enough for you to be convicted. You actually need to take a step of faith and believe. What that means is you do what Romans 10, 13 says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so you got the knowledge of the truth. You know it's true. You're convicted by the truth. And what do you do? You take a step of belief. I just took a step of faith that this step would hold me up when I sat, stood on it. And you take a step of faith and you say, Jesus, I know you died for me. Jesus, I know that if I turn from my sin and ask you to save me, you'll save me. That's belief. You're taking a step of faith and you're surrendering to Christ. So this text demands a, an answer to a simple question. Have you believed like that? Have you gained this knowledge and this conviction and have you actually Asked Jesus to forgive you and to save you. Well, we not only see the power of Jesus and the prerequisite of Jesus, we see the promise of Jesus. And friends, what I'm about to tell you is so full of hope, so full of encouragement. It's why theology and what you believe about the Bible matters. And Jesus makes two promises to Mary in this passage. Here's the first one. It's the promise of a physical resurrection. Look at what the text says. Though he die, yet shall he live. Did you know that the Bible says that after you and I die, we will continue to exist forever? And that every single one of us, whether we've believed in Jesus Christ or not for our salvation, will experience a physical resurrection. Listen to me this morning, friends. Death is not the end for anyone. Hebrews 9.27 says, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. We'll die once. There'll be a resurrection and there'll be a judgment. And this is true for those who believe in Christ as their Savior. And this is true for those who do not believe in Christ as their Savior. Every single person will be raised from the grave. But there's a distinction. 
The Bible says that if you die without Christ as your Savior, it will be a resurrection body that you will receive that is made for a Christless eternity where you will experience punishment for your sins forever. It will never end. That's the kind of resurrection body that you're going to have apart from Christ. If you know Christ as your Savior and if you die with Christ, you will receive a resurrection body like the Lord Jesus Christ that will be fit and made for heaven, where you will dwell with Christ for all eternity in his glory. And Jesus spoke of this double resurrection. The Jews were seeking to find a way to kill Jesus because he healed someone on the Sabbath and because he called God his Father. And when they came to question him and confront him, he explained his authority and made a monumental statement about the resurrection of those who die with Christ and those who die without Christ. And in John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29, this is what he said. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. And those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. There is dual resurrection, friends. Resurrection to life, resurrection to judgment. And did you notice how the text described it? Jesus is so powerful. The Bible says that he's going to speak a word and everyone's going to rise. That's resurrection power. And the promise that Jesus makes here in John eleven twenty five 25 is for those who believe in Christ. Listen to it again, friends. If you know Christ as your Savior this morning, even if you die and are put in the ground, you will live. He says, yet shall you live. It literally means you will really live. You will be more alive than you've ever been in your life. Why? How could he say that? Because Jesus is the life. That's why he can say that. In John 6, 39 and 40, he said, This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that has been given to me, but raise it up on the last day. He will not lose one person who comes to him for rescue. Oh, do you hear the hope in that, friends? <laughs> no matter what faces you in life, no matter what faces you with your death, there is still hope because if you belong to Christ, nothing will keep you from him. He won't lose one person that belongs to him. You will be secure forever. In Jesus Christ and his work on the cross for you. And listen to how he described it in the text. Do you see it? I will do this. He's sovereign over it. Thomas Puritan, Thomas Watson, a great Puritan. I'm talking so fast, I'm getting ahead of myself. Listen to this quote. This quote was worth you coming to church for this morning. We are more sure to arise out of our graves than out of our beds. That's how powerful Jesus' resurrection is. You may not wake up and get out of bed tomorrow morning, but if you know Christ, you know what? You're going to come out of the grave. 
It's the promise of a physical resurrection, and then there's the promise of a spiritual resurrection in verse 26. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus moves from physical resurrection to spiritual resurrection. And with this phrase, listen to me. With this phrase, Jesus addresses the fears that all of us have about death. You know, over the last two years, and I debated to even bring this up this morning, but it's relevant to the passage of Scripture. And there's somebody in this room that probably needs to hear this this morning. We've been through a lot over the past two years. And there's several significant events over the last two years that stick out in my mind. And there's one that I'll never forget. Listen carefully to me this morning. I'm sharing my heart with you. I had someone come to me early on in the pandemic and say, Pastor, I'm afraid to die. And friends, I'm sure that they're not the only one. And I'm sure in this size of crowd this morning, there's people in here this very moment who are afraid of death. And I need you to hear my heart this morning. It's not that like I'm going out looking to die, right? But when you know Christ as your Savior, are you listening? When you know Christ as your Savior, he puts a confidence inside of you Then, even in the midst of the fears of death, you've got hope. You've got certainty. You've got surety that if this physical, earthly life ends, there's another life, there's a better life waiting for you. And only Jesus Christ can give you that kind of hope. And I'm telling you this morning, in the midst of your worst fears, Jesus is speaking to you through His Word about your fears. And look at what the text says. Everyone who lives and believes in Christ will never die. Never die. Everyone. That can include you. You can live in confidence with Christ. In its present tense language, it means that you can live with confidence in Christ this very moment. It means that you could have walked into this building this morning, minding your own business, pleasing your wife because she begged you to come to church, trying to do what's right because it's Easter Sunday, whatever reason that you came in here, you could have come in here minding your own business and you can leave a changed person with hope. You can leave with resurrection life. You can leave with resurrection power over your fears because Jesus Christ can change you. And listen to what he said, you shall never die. Oh, you may die physically if you belong to Christ, but the Bible says the moment that you die, your soul and your spirit will immediately be in the presence of the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord if you're a Christian. And there will be a spiritual resurrection. There will be a spiritual resurrection. And you can have your fears alleviated with hope in Christ. This, this, friends, is eternal security. This, friends, is hope. 
The life that God gives us through his son, Jesus Christ, is eternal life. And once you receive that life, it never goes away. Once you're alive in Christ, you'll always be alive in Christ. B.B. Warfield, the great theologian, said, Whatever death is and all that death is, that is what we shall be saved from in this salvation. And whatever life is and all that life is, that is what we shall be saved to in this salvation. All of death and all that it means has been defeated. And all of life and all that it means has been transformed through Jesus. D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, said, One day you will hear D.L. Moody of Northfield, Massachusetts is dead. Listen to what he said. Don't you believe it. In that day I will be more alive than I have ever been before in my life. Jesus gives the promise of life. Jesus gives the promise of resurrection. And the Bible says that all of the promises of God find their yes and their amen in Jesus Christ himself. It means he will never forget to fulfill one of his promises. And so I ask you this morning, is Christ's promise of physical resurrection true for you? Are you going to be raised to resurrection life in a body like the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are you going to be raised to resurrection life in a body fit for eternal punishment? I ask you today, do you have the confidence of a spiritual resurrection that when they put your body in the ground and they go back to church to eat fried chicken, your soul and your spirit will be in eternity with your Savior? Do you have that kind of confidence over the frailty of life and the fears of death, friends? Do you have that kind of confidence? You can only find it in Christ. Notice with me finally the personal question of Jesus and how he ends this passage. He looks at Martha after he says all of this great truth and he simply asks her a question. Do you believe this? Do you know what Jesus does with this statement? He turns from a teacher to a preacher. You say, why do you say that? Because good preaching, I've been taught, always gets to the you. Good preaching always gets to the you. And Jesus has just taught Martha all this wonderful resurrection truth. And then he gets to the you and he looks at Martha as if nobody else is around. And he says, do you, Martha, believe this? And notice he uses the same word that he used earlier in the passage, the word believe. And I'll just go back over here to my simple little illustration. And I'll look at you and I'll get to the you and I'll say, do you believe this? Do you? I'm not asking you if your wife believes it, sir. I'm asking, do you believe it? I'm not asking you, ma'am, if your husband believes it. I'm asking if you believe it. I'm not asking children if your parents believe it. I'm asking if you believe it. I'm not asking teenagers if the rest of your family believes it. I'm asking if you believe it. I'm not asking senior adults 
If you raise your children to believe it, I'm asking if you believe it this morning and you're trusting in it for your salvation. Do you believe this? You see, friends, you have to get to the you because nobody can make the decision for you. It's personal. It's a personal question that Jesus is asking every single person in the room. And what Jesus asked Martha, Jesus is asking you this morning. Do you believe everything that Jesus has said about resurrection and life? And do you believe it enough to ask him to be your savior? That's what he wants to know. Do you believe this? This may be the greatest question that's ever been posed. Because how you and I answer this question determines the greatest questions of life and the fears of death. Do you believe this? And I say to you this morning, for any skeptics in the room, don't say to this pastor, you can't believe because there's not enough evidence. I'll tell you that's baloney. Look around this room. This room is evidence of resurrection. And this room is evidence of life. And if what is happening in this room at this moment doesn't convince you, look out the window. The birds are singing his praises this morning. The wind blowing is declaring his glory. It's not. Let me just be clear. It's not that you don't have enough evidence. It's that you refuse to believe the evidence you've been given. And I love you enough to tell you that and confront you today. Do you believe this? Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He can move into dead and seemingly hopeless human situations. And by his resurrection power, transform people in circumstances. And infuse his resurrection power in life. And make all things new. Ian Campbell said, that is the Christian hope. That death does not have the ultimate word or the final word. Death brings many things to an end, but the power of him who is the resurrection means that for all of God's people, are you listening, church? That for all of God's people, life has the last word. And all who are in their graves will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who hear that voice they will live on this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday, because of Jesus Christ and His work on the cross, because Jesus is resurrection, and because Jesus is life. Life has the last word. Let's pray.